here in the account in Luke 9 and 10. He instructs them as to their mission and their manner in sharing the good news. And they return to him overjoyed because of the results that God has given them. Now we have in our account today a story of the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus, we have to bear in mind, was, of course, is the Jewish 
Messiah. He's the Messiah of Israel. And here he was actually, and many writers in Christian uh, theologians for that matter, overlooked the fact that he was dealing with Israel as a Jewish state. He was there actually presenting himself as their Messiah and would have, listen to me, ushered in the kingdom of God had they received him as the Messiah. Uh, the Jews at this time had a commission from Christ to reach the world with the good news of the Messiah's arrival. You and I as the church, not Israel, the church, still have a very similar uh, commission. And it applies to us just as well as it did to them to reach the world with the good news that Christ has come. And we preach not the gospel of the kingdom, but the gospel of the grace of God. They're two different distinct things. Now when the church is removed from the earth, God will once again turn to Israel and the 144,000 and the two witnesses will preach the gospel of the kingdom just like the disciples did here. But the principles that we'll look at here today apply to us equally as well as it did to the Jews there. So we see here God giving them instructions, uh, gifting, uh, taking of His Spirit, placing it upon them. And when men like the disciples here go forth with this vision, they'll discover what the Spirit is saying through the Word to the churches. Before we begin this morning, let's pray. Father, I thank You for the opportunity, Lord, to be here with Your people today, to speak to them, to address them. Lord, we look into the Holy Word of God today. Speak to our lives. Father, help us, Lord, to overcome our own human inadequacies of speaking and hearing. And Lord, speak to us what You want us to hear and to know today, Father. Build and plant in us, Lord, Your Word. Cause the fruit that You so desire to be birthed within our lives. Father, I thank You for doing that. Anoint me as Your servant to minister Your Word to Your people. I can do nothing apart from You, Lord. Speak through me today. I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We'll look at three things today in talking about the Lord of the harvest. And our main emphasis, of course, is Christ commissions His followers to proclaim the message of the Gospel everywhere. And the main emphasis, of course is those who accept the gospel message can rejoice because ultimately our names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Christ came to save those who are lost among whom you and I belong to. We'll look at three things. We'll see uh, when Christ calls men to follow Him as Lord, we see oftentimes weak excuses made on, the, on behalf of men. And we look at Luke 9, beginning of verse 57. And we see human nature really hasn't changed any. Can I get a witness? You know, we still see the same thing today. You know, either Jesus is Lord, or He's not of your life. He's either Lord or your Lord. Who's Lord over your life? You can't have it both ways. As they were going along the road, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version today, 
Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Sounds like Ryan, doesn't it, brother, sister? Yes. Amen. But you know what? Jesus had nowhere to go, but God took care of him. Come on now. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. God took care of him. Verse 59 to another, he said, Follow me. How many have heard Jesus say to you, Follow me? I know almost 40 years ago I heard him say, Follow me, son. Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Started to make up some excuses. First one was a hasty commitment. Now we have a reluctant disciple. Well, yeah, I'll follow you, but I got to go bury my father first. Jesus said to him, "Leave the dead to bury their own dead." But as for you, go and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God. He was trying to get out of going, wasn't he? You think when Jesus says "go," he means go? When he says "when he says come," he means come. Uh, does he mean what he say and say what he means? Come on now. Come on. Let me see excuses. Yet another, he said, verse 61, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my house. Sound like anybody you know? Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Excuses. Rather weak excuses. Is that mankind in general? Is that the majority of the human race? Yes. You can fill in the blanks really with any excuse. Is there an excuse for any human being not to follow God? That's legitimate in the eyes of the Lord. He is the one who created us. He is the one who made us. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what purpose He has, come on church, for our lives, for your life specifically. You cannot find or know the purpose of God for your life apart from following Him. Apart from walking with Him. You cannot walk with Him and in your own direction at the same time. Well, he's preaching now, come on. You can only walk with Him, in step with Him, in unison with Him, yoked together with Him. Amen. Can you walk with Him? And not only that, but get anything done for the kingdom of God. Come on now. We have to walk in step with the Lord. We can't walk out of time, out of sync. We can't do our own thing. There's no self-styled Christianity. He is either Lord and Master, or He's not of our lives. And He calls men. To join Him in reaching out to those who are lost in the harvest. Amen? You know, we are called to be co-laborers with Christ in bringing men to faith in Him. And to bringing and adding to the kingdom of God. He chooses all what glory to use human vessels such as you and I to reach out to others to share the word of faith. To bring them in to increase the kingdom, to cause the kingdom to grow. He, he chooses to use us. What a privilege it is to be a servant of the Most High God. 
And when he calls, I, I don't want to have an excuse of why I can't follow or why I can't go. Now here are some of the excuses here in Luke 9 that we see men giving the Lord. Secondly, we see wise instructions being given. Look at chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. How many know chapter and verse was added much later? There were no chapters or verse numbers when the Bible was written and originally compiled, whether in the Old Testament or the New. You say, Pastor, why did they put chapter and verse so that we can locate particular texts? It's for our benefit. But this is all one seamless conversation that he's having. There is no chapter and verse. This is not another day, another time. This is still going on from the excuses. Now he goes in chapter 10, verse 1. After this, as he had spoken, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was to go. So he took and he set aside 70 chosen men. Amen. Come on. And he commissioned them. He sent them out to go where he would go. Oh, think about that for a minute. He chooses you, Robbie Roach, Dave Holstclaw, Robin White. He chooses you to go where he would go because where is he right now? He's at, he's at the Father's right hand. But if you're a follower, he's where, he's where at is he? He's in you. So now, you are Him on the earth. When you talk to someone about Him, you are representing Him to that person. When they see you, that may be the only Jesus they ever see. Why then? I mean, of course, is it important how we live or how we represent Amen. Amen. Because you may be the only Bible they'll ever read. So he sends these 70 on a mission to harvest souls for the kingdom of God. 70. Now, there's a unique thing about that 70. And how many remember me teaching many times in the past that whatever we find in the New Testament is always embedded in the Old Testament. It's nothing new in the new. It's just the revelation of what was already seen and, and, and revealed in the Old Testament. Now notice he, he chooses 70. Who else chose 70? Begins with an M. And he, and he parted a big C. Moses, okay? I want to take us back. Now, you don't have to turn there. You can if you like. In Numbers chapter 11, I want to read a text out of Romans, Numbers chapter 11. And we'll see that Jesus called His twelve. And now we've just read, He chose the 70 other disciples to assist Him in His work. And the number 70 is significant to the Jews. Remember we did a study, Robbie, uh, what was it, a couple summers ago on Revelation, how many step multiples of seven? Or, it's just it, it's mind-boggling. It's staggering. You know, when God uses a number, He uses a number for a reason. But here we see Moses uh, choosing 70 of the children of Israel during their wilderness wanderings. It says here, I want to quote from Numbers 11, 16, 17, and verse 24. The Lord 
therefore selected seventy, or said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting. And let them take their stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take, listen to this, of the Spirit, that's the capital S, the Holy Spirit, who is upon you. Now at that time in the Old Testament, the only ones that had the Holy Spirit were prophets and kings. And those who were the high priests. Only, only certain people, limited number, had the Holy Spirit given to them. Moses had the Holy Spirit placed upon him by God to lead the people. But the task was so great that the strain was too much for him. He, he said, I, I need help. And God said, you bring these men to the tent of meeting. That's at that tabernacle where God would meet with Moses and ultimately the, the, the people. He said, you bring 70 men, elders of Israel with you, and I'll take from the Spirit that I put on you and put it on them as well. Hallelujah. Now you know, you can take God, and you can be full of the Holy Ghost, and He can take His Spirit and put it on someone else, and they can be full of the Holy Ghost, and another one can be full of the Holy Ghost. Here it was 70. It can be 7 million, 7 billion, 7 trillion, and you cannot diminish God or His Spirit or His power. Somebody say amen. Yes, Lord. You cannot diminish Him. He is Almighty God. Hallelujah. His Spirit is from everlasting to everlasting. And God said, I, how many want to be full of the Holy Ghost? My Lord have mercy. What a privilege it is. And here in the Old Testament, 70 chosen men of Israel were able to be Spirit-filled men. That foreshadows what would come. Hallelujah. After Christ died. After He rose again. On that first Pentecost Sunday, some 50 days after, He would take of His Spirit in that upper room. Come on now. And pour it out upon all flesh. Glory to God. And sons and daughters could prophesy. Not just men, but women as well. Not just rich folk, but even our servants and handmaidens and all, all flesh, hallelujah, could partake of the Spirit of God and of His commission and of His grant to go forth in His name and in His power. What a glorious privilege. But it's foreshadowed, foreshadowed here in Israel what God did with the elders. He put His Spirit upon them. Let me continue to read here. He gathered the seventy men and the elders of the people, stationed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud. He spoke to him and took of the Spirit who was upon him, that is Moses, placed it upon the seventy elders. And it came about that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. Hallelujah. But they didn't do it a second time. What's Luke saying? Acts, when the Spirit of God come on the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they did what? They prophesied. Hallelujah. God's Spirit is upon you. You begin to proclaim and prophesy through the Spirit of the eternal God. Hallelujah. How many believe God wants all of His servants filled with the Holy Spirit? prophesying, speaking on His behalf. Amen. You know, friend, we need the Holy Ghost. We need God's Spirit in us if we're going to accomplish that which He's called us to accomplish. We need the Holy Spirit in us. He's holy. Come on now. And He's the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to be holy, you need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. 
These 70 elders got the Holy Spirit. Now we, 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 we advance from Israel's wandering in the wilderness to the time of their Messiah, Jesus. He shows up with the kingdom. Here I am, the Messiah. The kingdom is of God is upon you. Hallelujah. He takes 70 men, calls them, and fills them with the Holy Ghost. Why 70? What was Jesus doing? The Scripture in, in, in the Old Testament said, I will raise up a prophet. It was a prophetic Scripture that He was fulfilling. Like unto Moses. And Him you will hear. And those who will not listen, it will be required. You will die. This is the one. And here Jesus was the one. And He sent these men out. Let's read on in, in Luke's Gospel here. He said, go your way. He said, I'm sorry, let me back up. He said, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that He'll send out laborers into His harvest. How many believe we have a harvest today? Yes. What is God harvesting here? Souls. The souls of men. Are there men today that are lost, headed for hell? There's a harvest. Men need to hear the word of truth. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. And the only way he'll, they'll hear it is through who? The servants that He sends for You and I. You and I. Somebody was faithful to tell me the Gospel, the truth. If they were not, I would be lost today. I'm a part of that harvest. Oh, hallelujah. See, there's three harvests that we talk about. There's the, there, there's the wheat harvest. That's the church. The wheat harvest. Then there's the barley harvest. That's Israel. And then there's the end time harvest that, that goes along with the barley harvest called the great harvest. That's the world. That's the world at the end of the age when God treadeth out the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. That's the great harvest. And these harvests are coming. Amen. We're in the wheat harvest right now. He's harvesting Gentiles and Jews, anyone who come, whosoever will, let him come. He's harvesting, amen. And you and I are just like the disciples here in, in, in Luke, we're working with Christ, bringing them in. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Why can't you say, what's a sheaf? Amen. That's the harvest when you gather it, throw it over your shoulder, bundle it up, that's your sheaf. That's the wheat. And that's what our commission is, church, to bring in the harvest. And here He sends them out. And look what He tells them. Go your way. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Start sharing the gospel with some folks. How many people love to hear the gospel? You know? Not too many, is it, brother? Thank you. Thank you. No. How many been mocked? How many been laughed at? How many been ill-treated because you believed in... Come on. Yeah. He's sending you out as lambs among wolves. Why is He doing that? Because some of them will get saved. Come on now. He's trying to turn some. He said, go your way. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag. No knapsack. No sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace or shalom in the Hebrew to the house. 
If a son of peace or shalom is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking. What they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from the house from house to house. Whenever you enter into a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick that is in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come here. I tell you, it will be more desirable or bearable on that day for Sodom and Gomorrah from the town that rejects. He says, Woe unto you, Chorazin! Woe unto you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will be exalted to heaven. You shall be brought down to hell. And the one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me him is him who sent me. Rejects him who sent me. We are the mouthpiece of God. Now I want to make a distinction here. Because this is often quoted by the church, for the church. And again, he's talking to Israel. Not the church in, in specifically. The principles apply. When, when, when they receive your word or my word, they receive Jesus' word. If they reject you or me, they're rejecting Jesus. Same thing. I don't like the dust of my feet of nobody. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't condemn any city or person or town to hell. You understand that? They did then. They were told to. Why? Because he, the kingdom was come upon them. At that time, listen, if they had received His Word and received Christ, they would have, they would have installed Him in Jerusalem as King and He would have ruled over them. Yes, Lord, we know He's not going to do that. He's in the business of saving people by His grace. But at that time, if he, if he, was, he had to present Himself fairly as the Messiah. And it was hardcore. You either receive Him or you're going to hell. That's what He said. If a city or a town receive me, I'm going to bless them. My shalom, my peace will be there. If they reject me, they're going to be turned into hell. Ultimately, people who reject Christ, that's where they're going to end up. But I, as a servant, I'm not condemning nobody. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wiping my dust, my feet off on, the, on nobody. Because they still, the grace is still moving today. Nobody wiped the dust of their feet of me. Come on. I thank God for that. We're in a different dispensation right now. We're in a day of grace. I rejected Christ several times before I actually received. Come on. But there is coming a day when, when that last sheaf of wheat will come in. And God's judgment will fall. But see Him sending out the 70. They were to salute the people. They were to be uh, grateful. To show hospitality. Whatever was set before them to eat, if they were invited at home, they were to eat it and be thankful. Amen. Why? They're representing Christ. They were to be grateful and, and gracious, but they were to tell them the truth. He said, Many will be rejected. And ultimately, that would result in his judgment upon those people who rejected them. See, when you and I are rejected, 
for a Christian service or a witness or a testimony for Christ, they're not rejecting you or me. They're rejecting Christ. Because we represent Him. As I said earlier, we're the only Jesus many people will ever see. So we need to respect. We need to be a good witness. Amen? And give a good testimony of who He is. Thirdly, we see wonderful results that took place as they obeyed God. You know, when we obey God, church, we're going to see some results. Come on now. You know, He sends, sends us into different places. I've heard this many times, but He sends us to different places to different people. How many would love to go preach, teach, play worship, witness in a place where people were just thousands and they were rejoicing over that. Oh, how you are now? Yes, Lord. You go out and you, you, you give a message and there's a big revival. Glory to God. Everybody shout you down when you preach. Yes. You can't hardly preach that. Hey, amen, and you're so loud. Glory you, to God. Lord. Everybody loves that environment. Amen. How you know that that environment does exist on this earth in different places? I've been there before. How you know there's some environments a little harder, a little tougher. Crowd's not quite as enthusiastic. Do you know when we lived in Maryland uh, and we were put our hand to the plow and you were going to plow up a garden? You know, the, the earth was so, at the place where we lived, was just so easy. You could just, I mean, you could just spade with a little pitch and just throw it over easily. The ground, no rocks in the ground at all. Easy to put it. Man, big old, this plant and, and beautiful, beautiful garden come up easily. Very little late. We moved up to West Virginia. Man, I didn't think nothing of it. Maybe it's at that time there. We'll, there. we'll turn up a spot in the ground. We'll plant some maize, cucumbers, squash. I'm going to do a good little size. Probably the size of this inside of this room here I did. I went out there and took my spade. You know what a spade shovel is? A little. I just, I, I'm just doing, I, I was young back then. And... and I was like, a, like an ox, brother, I'm telling you. I hit that shovel in the ground, man, broke that shovel right off, stole it off. Tried another one. I'm like, man, this thing ain't happening. An old local boy, what's that fella down the road? LaFollette. He said, oh, man, you big old chalk back in. Hey, you need a, you know, digging bar for that. Uh, you want to start you? Dave, Dave will laugh at me now because I'm a city boy. I, I said, "What's a digging bar?" <laughs> I've never even heard of that. He said, "You know, a digging bar. You got to get your digging bar. Get them rocks out there. Going to take you a long time to do one that big. But you gonna have to get your digging bar." I went out. Got a digging bar, big heavy pole type thing with a load. And I'm like, oh my lord. I must have piled up rocks. 
mountains of rocks just throwing them all up in the And I still never got no good mavens out there. They would grow up and they'd be little tiny little and the hard drive rough. What was the difference? The soil. It was just different soil, different area, different place. You know. You had to do what you had to do. Imagine digging a grave. <laughs> just bury me under the rocks, that's all. Amen. I guess in Jesus' day, that's what they did. Find the side of a mountain and stick you in there. Amen. Glory to God. But we all have different conditions. And we all like I mean, like everything to go easy. Smooth. You know, when you go to work, do you like to sweat all day long while you're working? You like your back to be. The problem, you like standing up in that plant for 15 hours straight on that concrete floor loading pallets? Nobody likes that. It'd be easy to just come and sit at a desk and do something. Uh, hello? But you know, there are people that stand on the floor and load pallets for 30, 40 years. I, I made it, I, I did 38 myself. Come on now. Until my back gave out on me. <laughs> we all work under different conditions, but we're working. Amen? Come on. Remember when I was young, my dad, I, I made a joke about the garbage man one time. My old man corrected me. He said, don't you do that. I said, at least I ain't no garbage man. He said, well, what if there was no garbage man? Who's going to pick up your garbage? That gets me good. I said, he's feeding his family. It made me feel like I was about that high after he got done, you know. I never said nothing bad about the garbage man again. Hello? That's right. But Jesus takes us when we come to him. He's Lord. Remember, he's the Lord of the harvest. And we're the laborer in that harvest. And He's going to send you wherever He wants you to be. Amen. Yes. Lord, I want an easy... Now, He... I can tell you, He's probably going to send you where you might not want to go. That's right. Amen. To whom you might not want to go to. But He knows where you're best suited to be. And who He wants to reach through your life. Because remember, he chose real people to do what his work entailed being done. He chose people that he wanted that were humble and were willing to go and serve him regardless. And he said, be gracious, be thankful, and bring peace wherever you go. That's what we're to do, the same as they were to do. And I want us to see the wonderful results as we close here. And it's in chapter 10, verse 7, beginning of verse 17. And the 70 returned with joy. Joy. Do you know what? I want you to think for a moment. And I'm, I'm not a complainer by nature. I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm a glass, glass is half full rather than a glass is half empty kind of guy. Hello? Now, everybody can be negative occasionally, but... Because things are, they get can get to us, but but generally I'm an optimist by nature. Joy. When I serve the Lord, you know I I have joy. When I leave here on Sunday, I have joy. Joy. Say, preacher, you wish you had was reaching five thousand people. Sure, I do, but. I have joy if it's five people cold. Amen. That's right. I'm not serving for that. I'm serving because He told me to. Amen. Amen. 
and I could return with joy. But look, look what they were excited about. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, now he was warning them here about being prideful. He said this, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread over serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that you have spiritual power, in other words, and authority. He said, don't rejoice in that, or that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. Man, you got a reason to rejoice if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ. If He's your Lord, he, your name is written in heaven. He has a place for you. Remember John 14, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you will be also. There's a place for me. I have a home in heaven. In the sweet by and by. Amen. And I got a name that's written on the roll. Do you know I believe this? That every human being who's ever been born and those who have yet to be born, their name's already written in the, the Lamb's Book of Life. Everybody's name is in that book. He's a preacher. He didn't buy it. I hear a false doctor get ready to come out. No, no, listen to it. Every name of every human. How many know God knows when He created Adam and He put Eve and Adam together and said, Be fruitful and multiply? He knew before they was even created how many human beings would ever live. And every one of those names is already written in that book. He said, does that mean everybody's going to heaven? I didn't say that, did I? That's right. No. Everybody should go to heaven. Everybody should be in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in the book. How does somebody not get to heaven if their name is in the book? They fail to receive God's offer of forgiveness. They choose not to. They don't fail to. They choose not to receive Christ as Lord. And their name, go to Revelation chapter 3, is blotted out. That's right. You mean God doesn't send people to hell? No, He doesn't. People send themselves by rejecting His Lordship. That's really what it's all about. Do they receive Christ when the message is preached or do they reject Him? God gave us enough rope. <laughs> you know that old saying. Just enough rope. It's called free will. Now he's omniscient. The Calvinists will get all over me saying, you know, we're the chosen and the, he knows who's going to receive and who's not. He's, he's God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But He does give us opportunity or else we wouldn't preach. Why send people out to preach if you already chosen to be saved? There's, there's a co-working between God and man. We see that throughout the Scriptures. Amen? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. 
I thank you, Lord, you're not going to blot mine out, glory to God, that you died on the cross, shed your blood for my sins, you redeemed me, hallelujah. Now I want to be obedient, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to work in your harvest field while there's yet time. Amen. See, He saves us for a reason. Somebody says, what's the reason that I'm saved? Well, the main reason, so your name's not blotted out. If Christ didn't come and die on the cross, every name would be blotted out. Nobody would make it into heaven. So that's the main reason, okay? But then if that's the only reason, and it's not, He'd have saved you and just took, took you to heaven right away. How many people are saved? How many believe in Jesus? Die on the cross. Okay. Why are you not in heaven right now? you got work to do. What are you working in? The harvest field. He's the Lord of the harvest. Now, you can choose to work with Him. Amen. You know what working with Him is? It's what Robin, Robin shows up. Robin contributes and helps. Robin is a part of and involved in. Robin is, is talking to her friends. She's doing whatever. She, that's called working in the harvest. Did God say, Robin, I want you to get up next Sunday in the pulpit and give a message to them? If He called you to that, that's your job. But if He didn't, you do what you do. Can I, can I hear amen? amen? We all have a different function. But that's what He calls us to do. Now, Robin, if Robin says, well, you know what? I ain't even going to church. I'm just, knowing, no, I'm just not going at all. I believe in Jesus and everything. Well, that doesn't say she's not going to heaven. But God's not going to be pleased with that alone. Because she's not working in the field. I don't mean to be using the example, but I have to. I have to use, well, there's only a few of us here. We, I pick on the same few people all the time. But you understand the point. God wants us to, to utilize what He's given us, resources, talent, time, effort, so forth. And we can rejoice, Amen. Sister Robin, at the end of the day, because we've, we've been a part of, we've, we've, we've contributed and when we see the Lord one day, face to face, He's pleased with us because we made an effort. Now, of course, it might have taken a few years to get us to where we are at. But, you know, I can't, I can't say anything because it did for me. It took me a while. I should have been way further advanced than where I am now, although spiritually. And you probably could too. But at least we're moving in that direction. Amen? Not making excuses. We need to keep moving and pressing forward. But they return with joy. And when we serve God and His purpose, laboring in the fields, laboring in the harvest, we'll have joy. I mean, we'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Verse 21, In that same hour He rejoiced in the Holy Ghost and said, I thank You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Yes. See those disciples, those men that he picked and that he chose, they understood. They began to see his plan and his purpose for their lives and for the kingdom of God and their place in it. And the Lord was rejoicing that men were getting it. They were seeing it. They were becoming participants in His kingdom. And you know, God today, Jesus Christ today, at the right hand of the Father, is still rejoicing. He says, hey man, down there at New Hope Assembly, 
They're getting it. Hallelujah. They're doing what I've called them to do. They're starting to move forward in the things of God. They're working in the harvest. They understand. I thank You, Father, that You've revealed to them what they're to be doing. Hallelujah. And on the work goes until He says it's the harvest is finished. It's time to bring home the final servants that are here. It's time to bring them home. Because now we're going to work on the barley harvest. The wheat is all finished. It's time to move to the barley harvest and the grape harvest. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And then we can institute the kingdom that He sent these 70 out to institute. Yes, then we can inaugurate it. He knew ahead of time they would reject Him, the nation. He knew that. But He sent them out in spite of that. He knows that many will reject the message that we carry. But He sends us out anyway. Because ultimately, those who do accept both in their time and in our time, we're all going to be together in the kingdom of God on this earth together. And we'll experience what was experienced. He was giving them a taste of the kingdom. He said, you go into a house and somebody's sick, be healed. Be healed. You have cancer, be healed. Do you know when Jesus is here on the earth, there's not going to be any cancer. There's not going to be no sick. There's not going to be any of that. Why is that today? He's not here. He gave them a taste. I'm the Messiah. I'm living with you. But He was only there for a short time. He said, I have to go. But I will come again. And when He comes back, He's going to roll back that curse. The Bible said a man a hundred years old, the book of Isaiah, will be like a little child. You won't even be considered an adult when you're 99. He's just a boy. The Bible says that men will live as long as the oaks. Woo! Glory to God. And that's not even in an eternal state. That's just because He's here. I mean, He's only going to be here for a thousand years. Then there's going to be an eternal reign. That's what I'm looking forward to. Amen. But the kingdom reign is coming. He was rejected. Ultimately, the 70 were ultimately rejected. But many received. Many were blessed. They had joy. The results were wonderful. But God wants even greater results. Amen? And He'll have that. Charles W. Cobb said this once, quote, Many men are go-getters when the going is easy and when the going is good. But there are few when the going gets tough and the getting is uncertain. In other words, everybody's good when it's easy. When the going is good, folks don't mind going. But when the getting gets tough, it's hard getting people to move. For notes and quotes, I have a quote here today. Quote, Is the time when idlers delay, when fools prattle, and when the fearful shudder but when the courageous advance and the wise grasp opportunities, 
Are you a half full or a half empty kind of glass person? Do you see opportunity? I see opportunity. It may be tough, but I just look at that as a challenge. Come on, that's just a challenge. With God, all things are possible. Amen. There are many benefits to those who live the Christian life. Some of those blessings are realized in this life. Some of them are received in the life to come. I might even say most of them are received in the life to come. Believers can enjoy peace that those outside of Christ cannot know. My life is difficult at times. How about yours? But you know, I have a peace inside that passes all understanding because I have the Prince of Peace living inside of my heart. Shalom, the peace of God. He's left with me. He's given to me. Not as the world can give to me, church, but as only He can give. He's given. He's left with us peace in the midst of a storm. There may be a hurricane going all around you. But there is an eye to that storm. And Jesus is right there in the eye. He invites us to come in. Believers can enjoy that. The world cannot know that. We can be at peace not only with God, church, but with others. That's a wonderful truth. Since we know peace, even amid turbulent circumstances, you have that peace that defies human understanding. The world just can't, can't grasp that. The life of the Christian can be dominated by love. It should be. Amen? This love transcends anything that can be known outside of Christ. And it enables us to live on a higher level than others. <laughs> the beauty of God's love and peace is indescribable. Beyond these present benefits, the person who accepts the gospel message that we carry inherits eternal life through Christ Jesus. What a message, what a responsibility we have to the Lord of the harvest. This means that He will lead a rich and rewarding life throughout all eternity. The one that you reach for the gospel. You know, that's a prospect, church. That's a message, a responsibility we carry just as these 70 did. An eternal message that will resound throughout, throughout eternity. You know, that's, re, that's worth rejoicing about. That's worth getting excited about. May we lift our voices in praise like Jesus did to the Father and thank Him. Let's stand this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we give You praise. Hallelujah. I want to read a little story as we finish off here. A man once rose in one of Dwight L. Moody's meetings. Everybody know Dwight Moody, the great preacher? And he gave his experience. Quote, he says, I have been for five years on the Mount of Transfiguration. Mr. Moody said, How many souls did you lead to Christ last year? In an instant, Moody spoke to him. And the man says, I don't know. He was astonished. Have you led anybody? Persisted Mr. Moody. 
He said, I don't know that I have, but I've been on the Mount of Transfiguration. I've been living in the glory cloud. Amen. Mr. Moody said, we don't want that kind of mountaintop experience. When a man gets so high that he can't reach down and save poor sinners, there's something wrong with that. today. We thank You, Lord, for Your presence that is here with us, Lord. Father, You've called us. You are the Lord of the harvest. You've called each and every one of us here today to work in that harvest, to lead people to You, Lord. Father, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit that You've given unto us, Lord. The, the power of Your Spirit, not only the commissioning, but the ability to carry it out, Lord. You have a plan. You have a purpose for us, Your church. You want to navigate us to an expected end, Lord. Help us, O oh God, today to be the people You've called us to be. Stir our hearts, Lord. Lord, let us say yay and even amen. Let us be ready and willing. Let our feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, Lord, we just pray, Father, in Jesus' name. We give You praise today. Take a moment of time, church. Lift your hands toward Heaven. Say, God, use me. Use me in Your harvest. You are Lord. You are Master. Show me your intent and your plan for my life, Lord. Lord, give me direction. Maybe you're searching for direction. Give me direction, Lord. Help me to know when to speak, when to hold my peace. Help me, Lord, to be gracious when I speak to others. Help me to be mindful, Lord, of eternal things. Lord, this life is, is important. Eternity is at stake, Lord. Help us to see our role in working with you in the harvest. 